They say blood is thicker than water, and if you're two brothers together in the same band, sometimes maybe you wish that blood was a bit diluted with saline or something. Or maybe whiskey. One or the other. But for Vic and Mike Fuentes of the Equal Vision Records band Pierce the Veil, they insist they wouldn't have it any other way. Formed more than 10 years ago under the name The Early Times, the brothers Fuente built a strong enough of a following in their home base of San Diego, California, that they released a self-produced CD, hawking it at local clubs and record shops. Eventually, that same CD helped the band become noticed by Equal Vision, and they were signed to the label in 2003. But not before first having to change their name due to a threat of a copyright infringement lawsuit from a liquor company. That new name? Before Today. A celebration of an ending, their 2004 label debut, allowed them to start the national touring life that every young musician dreams about from the moment they heard their first Led Zeppelin record. But soon enough, problems arose with several members wanting out before things went too far down that road. The band nearly broke up at the time, but the brothers persevered, pulling in guitarist Tony Perry, a friend of theirs that worked at a local guitar center, and then quickly adding his buddy, Jaime Preciado, for bass duties. With Vic Fuentes helming the lead vocals and brother Mike quickly becoming the new generation's Tommy Lee on drums, the band was finally feeling solidified and ready to take the world by storm. But then, this new band decided to go the full overhaul mile and change their name from the never really liked in the first place before today to something else. The new name? Pierce the Veil, taken from a song title off the previous record. As they stated on their MySpace blog at the time, quote, We feel that since it has been such a long wait for everyone, and since we have new music and new members, it is simply the best decision for us. In 2007, the band was shipped off to camp outside producer Casey Bates' studio to record their next record, A Flare for the Dramatic, a more focused release that took the band up about four notches on the production quality scale and landed them on a 2007 Warp Tour for a date. Since then, Pierce and Vale have been doing what a lot of bands do these days, tour, 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 and forget what their beds ever felt like. A full Warp Tour 2008 stint a key slot on the 2009 Taste of Chaos tour, and various tours with Scary Kids Scaring Kids, Chiodos, From First to Last, Emery, The Devil Wears Prada, and Mayday Parade have helped the band lock in a stable beginning fan base. And again, as with a lot of bands of late, Mike and Vic have already been pulled into side projects, namely the Isles and Glaciers Rock Party Group, fronted by Craig Owens and Amorosa's Johnny Craig. Pierce the Veil just released their latest video for the single Chemical Kids and Mechanical Brides and have just begun work on their next record, now looking to be released in 2010. You know, talking with Mike and Vic at length shows you the mindset of a lot of today's new bands, what they're going through and how they're weathering the storm out there in a screwed up economy and an even more screwed up music business. It's really interesting to hear their views on downloading of music versus many of the statements made by other musicians that have appeared on this show. I don't know, is it defeatism or is it realism? Maybe you can figure it out. This is Mike Shea. For the sake of the listeners, um, uh, why don't we do that that check um, again and just say who you are and, and what you do in the band? Okay. Uh, my name is Vic, and I sing and play guitar 
in uh, Pierce the Veil. And I'm Mike, and I play drums. So, you know, the $5 question, which, um, looking around the interviews that have been done with you guys, um, is, and I'm going to ask it just because there are people that are listening to this have never, they don't know a damn thing about you. Right. So the $5 easy question right off the bat is, um, what's it like to be in the band as brothers? All right, all right, all right. That's yeah. the $5 one. $5. That's an easy one. Uh, it's good. Um, me and Mike, <clears throat> we've been playing uh, in bands together since we were really young. I'd say, like, just, you know, like, freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we started our first, like, punk band, you know, like, straight, like, West Coast skate punk, you know, fast uh, stuff. And, um, yeah, so we've been playing together since we were little. Um, and, uh, it's cool cause I think since we, since we have been playing together so long and we are brothers, you know, there's this like always this unspoken connection between us that, you know, we can, I can always just kind of look at him and know what he's doing, you know, and, uh, like twins. Yeah. yeah in a way, you know, in a way, yeah. I, I don't think we ever really expected to go this far with it and, um, be on the road together 24 <clears> seven and. I mean, just starting out, it was cool to be able to play parties together and just be like the kind of cool kids in high school, being in a punk band. And but now that we can actually make sort of a living off of it, it's it's kind of cool just to be on the road together. So, yeah. so the so the five million dollar question would be: uh, You're on the bus. Um, there's some girls on the bus, um, uh, and. Um, uh, this one girl who's the hottest amongst them both wants you both, and she's just alternating back and forth to see who goes first. All right. All um, right. Or who's get- so? How do you do this brotherly love in that sort of a situation? <laughs> um, well, uh, I think we draw straws. <laughs> you know what? Well, that's a great. Answer. You know that situation <laughs> that run right out of thin air. That situation <laughs> yeah. will probably never happen because Mike and I, we kind of look like exact opposites. So, like, I think any chick that was gonna like go for either one of us pretty much knows <laughs> does she want the tall skinny guy with tattoos <laughs> a million tattoos or does she want the small uh short mexican guy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys even like the same girl i don't type think so. i don't know he he likes the i don't know i see you with tattooed women so you're more like so Mike, women. You're more like the old old women. Old women. <laughs> the old women. That's good. That's very flattering. I don't like old women. <laughs> How old are you guys anyway? Uh, I'm 24. So 24. So 30 could be old. Uh that's kind of pushing the cougar, the cougar <laughs> limit. <laughs> 30 is a, cougar. We had, <laughs> okay. A, we had a conversation about like the different cats. The, really? The different age women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, tell me, what is it? What the, have you guys come to determine? Well. A cougar, you know, is the old lady that is after the young guy. Yeah. Uh, a kitten is the way too young girl that's after the old guy. Got it. Uh, it's like high school, you know, senior yeah. into the college. Yeah. Kittens yeah. are the ones we we stay away from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, what was the like the really old, like the <laughs> grandma that's like after you? Uh, I think we called that? it like a puma or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's, we've had a number of bands in through here that uh, have talked about like doing the signings at the booths and stuff after the shows and stuff, and having the moms like certain moms oh, like, yeah. being all about like 
oh, come here, take a picture, you know, and the mom rubbing their back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it gets creepy sometimes. There's some, or when uh, a mom gives you their daughter's number or things like that. Oh, it's, it's really? Weird. That's kind of weird. That happened. That Seriously. Happens. That definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> Not to me, but... To, to the daughter's happiness or chagrin? I mean, was she embarrassed or what? <laughs> I don't know. No, she I don't even, even think the daughter was even there. Yeah, she wasn't even there. <laughs> she wasn't even there, and she gave her the... F- That's even better. Blind date setup, man. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, I learned something new, so mm-hmm. that's what matters. Um, it's a Monday, and I learned something new. <laughs> um, you, as you said, you guys, you're out of San Diego. Is it out of San Diego proper? Is there another place, like in a surrounding area out of San Diego you're out of? No, me and Mike are pretty much right in the middle of San Diego. Um, the other dudes are like Tony and Jaime... Tony kind of lives with us right now, um, since we're really never home much, you know, like, mm. he just crashes, you know, we all kind of crash wherever, but, um... But is that where you grew up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. how well, far away from your, your grow-up home are you right now? Uh, at the moment, we're very far. Really? We're in, uh... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we grew up... I don't up. see any beaches around here, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, in, it's in the sense of, uh... Uh, like where you grew up, uh, like your where you went to school and things like that, versus right. where you are now. Oh so yeah, go. no, same. we're still in the same, same house. Same oh, area. the same house. All right, all yeah, right. Yeah. So you're there. So, you <clears throat> was there always um, like if you guys were to kind of pinpoint an age where you guys decided individually that you were you were interested in music somehow? I read someplace that you that you said your dad taught you guys a lot. Mm-hmm. And what was the connection with that? Um, you know, our our dad is. Uh, been very influential i think in our almost everything that we do you know he uh he taught us he's a guitar player Mm. you know he taught me how to play when i was younger and uh you know he bought mike his first drum set at a swap meet you know for 50 bucks and uh um you know he was always trying to get us into music because he has a great appreciation for it and it it goes further than just like playing your guitar you know he's always like really uh soulful and uh you know about about things he's a really like yeah he'd tell me i gotta you know you gotta feel the music all this kind of stuff like that you know turn he, up your guitar do this and you know yeah he taught us more and like <clears throat> on how to present yourself on stage too it'd rather just you you need to feel the music you can't just get up there and fake it you need to yeah really like you know when he's telling me to hit those it. notes like hit those notes you gotta feel it you know and then like uh he uh um, I don't know. He's uh, he's been always really uh teaching us how you have to watch other musicians, play with other other dudes. You know, that's the only way that you can get good. You know, is is learning from other people. And it's we've we didn't really realize that until we started touring. You know how uh, important it is to to talk to the guys you're on tour with to watch them, and because that's where you that's where you learn stuff. So he wasn't. So you guys never went through formal training, or anything? Was it lessons or anything? So he was more no. about like you got to feel it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there are those people that are like mm-hmm. don't worry about the the notes. Yeah, you know, and stuff. he doesn't. Just, you yeah. got to feel it. If you don't feel it, then you're not either playing the right music or you shouldn't be a musician. Exactly. Yeah, we learned all that stuff from him. He doesn't. He doesn't really know like te- all the technical stuff, you know. But uh, I mean, I, you know, everyone everyone wants wants to learn more. I mean, we're a band that likes to you know, progress and learn new stuff. Like, I, I started taking vocal lessons before, you know, in a, a couple tours ago. And, uh, you know, we're always trying to get better at what we're doing, so. So then w- w- when was that? Like, were you guys in middle school when you started kind of picking up the instruments and dad got you the drum set? And... 
Um, I, I probably I started before you did. I think when I was, uh, I was in like a band with a friend of mine, and it was more like a rock band, you know. And uh, um, I think that band was very important for me because I learned a lot of, uh, you know, how to like solo and stuff like that that you don't really learn in in music like that we really play, you know. So it kind of gave me a different diversity of uh you know what i started with and then yeah i definitely started going to like the the little uh punk club shows when i was way too young and <laughs> i would uh somehow sneak out and get to the the local show and i would just be scared out of my mind at the show but it was just like the coolest time i would ever yeah. have in my life and i remember then, he started you started going to shows before i did yeah. though which was kind of funny because that's, cause that's what got me to want to play drums in the first place is just growing up listening to some of these local bands and just loving the scene and just never being able to like never f- seeing that part of I like of I vividly remember like going with mom to a show and dropping you off mm-hmm. like at Soma like this like venue in San Diego and like he's got like Liberty Spikes and like chains and really? stuff yeah. Yeah, Liberty Spikes <laughs> like, blonde dude Horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> did you sleep with him that way too? Most likely. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Uh, we got to see the pictures, the morning after pictures. Oh yeah. What was the What was the shows that you? you what was that first show that you remember, uh, Mike? That that um, you know, like one of those shows where you were scared and and uh, but you you just you were just so caught up in the intensity of the band that was performing. Do you remember where the band that was? That um, you were like, damn, I want to. I got it. This is something about this that makes me well, want to be here and in this. Oof. A lot of them were local shows, but uh, one that I can think of was a uh, <clears throat> a band called the Suicide Machines. Yeah, sure. And um, that song SOS mm. was one of the first songs that really, really got me to hooked on on the aggression and just punk rock, and I just wanted to go to every every show I could and. It was. It just hooked me on it. Yeah, the way I got into a lot of bands was just like hearing them blasting from Mike's room, <laughs> like into my room. Like I would eventually know the songs. So. Was there? A, was there ever? A, do you guys like? Are you at that point now where you guys are, are playing a show and you kind of see yourself in the crowd? Like maybe this is. Oh, totally. Some yeah. fans. Suicide Machines show in a way. I've had kids come up to me and say the exact same thing that I've said to mm-hmm. my favorite bands when I was younger. You know, like, like straight up, this kid came to me and, and said, you know, you, you know, your music is very inspiring. And I said that exact words to Tepe from Thrice when I was like, <laughs> like, I don't know, yep, maybe like eight years ago or something mm-hmm. like that. I was just like so honest, like Tepe. <laughs> he was like, and he was really nice to me, and so I was like, super nice to that kid when he told me. Yeah. So. I, me and a couple of my buddies, um, right after, like I think it was right after Identity Crisis came out, um, we used to actually go to Thrice shows way too early and barbecue, and try to get them over to the barbecue and have a hot dog with us or something. <laughs> so you had a little plan? Was that kind of like it? <laughs> kind of. Kind of like the bands. Yeah. Yeah. No. What kind of did you guys run in a particular crowd when you guys were starting to, uh, you know, jam with your friends and stuff like that? Were you guys was there a kind of crowd that you were part uh, of? It, it was mostly like high school friends. And yeah, stuff it was at that all point. surfer, skater, 
punk, yeah. punk rockers. Yeah. Were you guys liked or not liked? Were you the rejects? Were you the... We we had a lot of fun in, in, in like our high school bands. Like we used to play our friends' parties and stuff. And yeah, some and crazy we... crazy parties. Because <laughs> in California, I mean, the, the, you know, the Liberty Spikes and the punk rock thing was considered almost, uh, to a certain extent, part of the norm. Mm-hmm. And you get outside of that area and you start getting into the flyover states, and then then you were the you were the oddball. Oh, yeah. You were the one that got picked yeah. on. Were you guys whether you guys ever picked on? We didn't we didn't know anything about outside of San Diego until we started touring, you know, kind of mm. more professionally because mm-hmm. we never toured really on our own because we didn't know how. Like, we, we just stayed <laughs> locally and, and tried to build in San Diego. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, we were just having fun back then, so. <laughs> Vic, you were saying that, that uh, one, of your, one of your early influences was, um, was Bradley from Sublime. Yeah, uh, that you liked his, his stuff. That so, who else were you guys kind of like trying to emulate as you guys were playing and learning your instruments and trying mm-hmm. to get a grasp of you know your your first kind of you know phases of your onstage personality that would turn into one. Yeah, um, I our last record and I don't know, a lot of stuff before that. I was always really um, interested in in how Queen, the band Queen, mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff. Um, just a lot of it was not not so much like their music in particular, but the way they recorded it, you know, how they, uh, uh, you know, used all these layers and harmonies. And I got really into learning how to harmonize things and like going way too far with uh, my background vocals. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, they were kind of inspiring for, for how, how we recorded and stuff. Um, yeah, I like uh, them a lot. Yeah, I, I was pretty much strictly just... <clears throat> fast just punk rock stuff and that's all i wanted to play was just fast and aggressive and um i think my first main like main stage show like big big show was uh blink 182 with unwritten law and sprung monkey (laughs) (laughs) and that was like first like circle pit mosh pit i've ever been in and i think i was 15 yeah i like i also liked it like the punk beat fast stuff seems to sure. be coming back now mm-hmm. like all of our friends bands are doing it like <laughs> in their new records and stuff and it's it's kind of cool to see so so you know the, you know rock critics and fans like to categorize everything so <clears throat> maybe we'll allow you to categorize yourself if you want but if you were to kind of uh you know like sometimes you see it then a record of views and things like it sounds like you know or something like that mm-hmm. so if you guys could write your own who would you want to be compared to individually as your styles, as a singer, guitarist, as a drummer? Who would mm-hmm. you be like flattered to be in that same sentence with? Yeah. Um, man. That is a tough question. That's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I get... When we, when we had to like... When we had to say, you know, sounds like you know, they actually made us do this for things, you know, it's sure they compared us to like Coheed and Cambria and like Mars Volta and yeah. stuff like that, which I think are all valid things, you know, cause you know, like the high singing voices and the, uh, kind of progressive, progressive rock, you know, a lot of different things going on. I didn't have a problem with that when they, when people said that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. When, when I first, uh, started playing drums, I was obviously teaching myself how to play and, the main thing that I I did for myself was just watch every single drummer I could. Like, I'd go to Warped Tours, and I'd 
walk around every stage by myself and just watch the drummer the whole time. And I try to take something from that one drummer, maybe whether it be just like a simple beat or like some kind of movement that he did and put it into like my style of playing. And I think that's kind of developed my own style by just really just watching every single drummer I could mm. and take that from from them into into my style. So the first was it the first band together called the early times or mm-hmm, was it mm-hmm. the, so it was okay yeah i mean was nice. that was it was it mutually started by the two of you or did one of you start it then the other one asked you know it was actually uh, vic and yeah, one started, of his buddies yeah me and my friend uh the guitar player at the time mm-hmm. uh joe he we used to just jam acoustics at at like our friends oh, houses nice. and stuff and joe tensile yeah joe, no. joe tensile yeah um, tensile yep um, sorry cleveland accent <laughs> <laughs> No, um, yeah, we just used to jam acoustics. We would make, like, like songs that we would want to be, like, punk songs, you know, on acoustics. And then, uh, uh, yeah, and eventually we just wanted to actually do something with them, make, you know, and then we got Mike to, to try and start playing drums. And, uh, yeah, that was just kind of how we started. It was all just friends, I think. So when was that? Like, were you guys in high school still, or were you? Yeah, that was probably, like, in, like, 90... Seven or so, I don't know. Okay, I know I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was like a freshman in high school. <clears throat> so, did you guys ever? Play, did you guys ever play out? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we got together and, and once we actually got songs, we started playing like venues and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we started out just doing parties. Like, I still have the set list from my very our very first show ever. <laughs> really? Like, like we printed out our own set lists and stuff and. Yeah, I wrote on the back of it. It says like Sam's party, very first show <laughs> yeah, ever. I remember that. Like one. I still have it in my room. Something to eBay later on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Put right. it, give it to the Rock Hall. Maybe <laughs> It'd be nice. Um, did you? Uh, do you remember the? Uh, um, what you guys were thinking after you got done with your first performance? Were you guys like, um, why didn't we? No, we we. Were you just I, too stoked and just like break out the beer? I, and, I was. I was all new to it because I was super young and I've never, I'd never been to like a high school party or anything. And so when, <laughs> when Vic's, Vic yeah, basically tells me, hey, we're playing this party tonight, I'm like, okay, can <laughs> I bring a friend? <laughs> and so me and my friend just roll into this party that's just 200 kids, just <laughs> kegs everywhere. And it's just like, this is cool. <laughs> Did you get trashed? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, um, I think like, I, like you said, like, what did we think about it? You know, afterwards, like, that's funny because like, at the time when you're playing music, like, you always, you never think you're bad, like, you know, like back then, you're like, oh, that was awesome, like we sounded so good, <laughs> like we would record, we recorded our first like record, and you know, at the time we thought it was like the most amazing thing, you know, like we're so pumped on it, but now you know when you're older, you look back on it and like how see how horrible that, you were. And did you like, apologize to your to your to your dad for making you listen making this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's dad, so... I really appreciate you having a straight face when I played this for you back then. No, they're they're the kind of parents that go, oh man, you should bring back some of that old stuff. Like there were some good there were some good songs <laughs> yeah. in there. <laughs> we're like no, don't so... don't ever let them be the business manager. Yeah, right. I got it. That's so strange because last night on the drive here, um, our tour manager was driving. And he played us like his first band, and it was pop, strict straight pop punk, and he was singing. Yeah. And we were just cracking up, and Vic's like, "Oh, do you have early times on your iPod?" And I was like, 
no way I don't and yeah. I checked it and I actually had it yeah so we put it on and we're like just we've done that with a lot of up. bands like a lot of bands still carry their first band on their iPod you know yeah sometimes Start. you can find them on pure volume uh-huh. yeah I tried to find early times on pure volume and I can't there was no there's no listing and I was really? actually trying to find early time because what is it what's the story was there actually did you guys actually release a CD self-produced CD or was it all just demos um, we actually did a full length <laughs> we did a full length all yeah. right, I was trying to find it nobody had it I was yeah like, Right. I'm surprised I still have There's it. There's probably like 2,000 of them at our house if you want any. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take it. Because <laughs> I may need some eBay stuff later on. <laughs> so how big did the early times actually get? Uh, it got us... It got us... It got us signed, didn't well, it? Were we signed off of early times? Yeah, because we had to change our name. Yeah, we, we got eventually signed to Equal Vision as, off early, of that. as okay. early times. And, when you change, and we changed our name because... You know, we needed a new name. <laughs> Why? Why did you need a name? Because it's like a, it's a whiskey company. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> that's how high school we were. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we did the, the full length um, and just put it out ourselves. And then after that, did four new demos. Yeah, we did a bunch of EPs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was All like just the, burned. Mainly yeah. four songs. And every every single show, we would just go out and pass them out. And just our mom would help us burn them every day and just burn burn copies and pass them out at every show we could and eventually uh somehow made it made its way to new york where uh equal vision lives yeah up in albany yeah right so so where did the name before today come from that was your new name yeah uh that was like a that's the ten dollar question yeah that that was just a song title from one of our old songs we just easy enough yeah it at the time, it felt like a good name, but the more we were with it, it was just like really like lame. <laughs> it, like it didn't stick, you know. Like everyone was like called us before tomorrow or <laughs> after today or after tomorrow. Like it was, it was just a really confusing uh, name, but uh, whatever. <laughs> so when you guys got signed, who did all your negotiation and stuff like that? I mean, did, um, you, did you have an attorney friend at that point? Yeah, we had it. We have an awesome attorney her name's rosemary carroll um she's just like huge badass like and uh we way way more than like we we should have had like you know but uh the only reason we got her was because um our dad our dad's a painting contractor and he was painting a house and it was the mom of one of the dudes in rocket from the crypt and um and she was like, "Oh, you should use our attorney, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and got our reference, you know, reference them, and and somehow we got Rosemary Carroll, and she negotiated everything and tore apart the contracts, yeah. and, and did crazy shit, and uh, it was, Lord, Lord knows we couldn't read those contracts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys today even read contracts? Um, oh man, the, that was not. Some, okay. <laughs> That cat's out of the bag. You guys are totally vulnerable uh, <laughs> without an attorney. Sign here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so you guys were signed to Equal Vision. Did you guys get an advance? Uh, no. No advance? No. No. Mm-hmm. No money? So what What was like, you know, you're getting signed to EVR, and at that point, that was 2004? I think so, yeah. Around there? Yeah. So, uh... So that must have like completely flipped you guys out. I mean, now your whole life is changing in front of you because now you're not 
you're not just the local San Diego band. Mm-hmm. Now you're being written up in the San Diego paper says the band that just got signed to the nationally renowned Equal Vision Records is now going to be, you know, mm-hmm. the next thing that break out of San Diego. I mean, did that change the way that you guys felt about yourselves? You know, like like did your goals in your mind like, wow, maybe we can go do maybe it, maybe my face will be on it was it was cool. It was like player magazine. No, nah, I don't think we never <laughs> we never think that I mean maybe we do think that far ahead, but it's not like we think it's going to happen immediately, you know, like we we worked we had to work very hard from where we started, you know. Um it wasn't even like that we had to like even knew what we were doing, you know. Mm-hmm. We just had to learn from our mistakes and stuff, you know. Uh I think that's a lot of the reason to, uh, why we are where we are today, you know, with Pierce the Veil, is because we've made our mistakes. We've done, we've gone through all the, uh, all the stuff, you know, and we've learned a lot. But um, so what were those mistakes? I have to ask. I don't know. Just like, you know, uh, without obviously you don't want to, you know, if it involved a previous band member. But no, no, no. I mean, like, um, just touring. You know, uh, we've. We had, you know, the guys that we were on tour with, you know, we've, you know, we definitely burned some bridges while we were like, mm. you know, just, just hanging out and partying and stuff. And, uh, we did, you know, it, it was, um, you know, also like the tours we had, you know, we've, we've done every single small, you know, play to five people tour. Um, and, um, if that. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you had the three pre- three people night, huh? Well, I don't know if the bartender and the other bands playing count, but well, <laughs> if they're listening, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just you know, learning how you should uh, go about everything. You know, every everything from uh, you know making friends with bands to. Uh, having working relationships with venues and with, uh, you know, the people that are helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of things were left in the dark because we didn't know what we were doing. We had no management. Uh, you know, we just kind of felt stagnant a lot of the time, you know, because there was no communication between, like, us. And we never really called our label every day, you know, to be like, hey, can we do this, you know. Not a single. We probably did like five interviews in the entire existence of Before Today. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so give me the time for how many? How long did Before Today last? Because you changed the name uh, and brought in and and started officially the new group because you, you you lost the other two members. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but so then it was like about December two thousand six was about time frame. Pierce the Veil. Yeah, it, it was all kind. Of, it's kind of a blurry section because it all, all right. kind of happened over time. Like okay. we lost one member and then. Tried to keep going, and then lost another member, and um, so a couple of years, roughly. Yeah, it was okay. over a span of a couple of years. Um, so that whole time period, you really weren't talking. I mean, you were just kind of thinking that the machine was going to run itself. Exactly. You kind of like, we just didn't know what to do. You know, like I mean, we didn't know about publicists and like you know people that get you interviews, uh-huh. people that uh, work for you to uh, get your name out there. You know. Uh, working the internet, like, all that stuff. We just, you know, that like, that's all examples of things that you learn over time. Hmm. And, uh, you know, stuff that we, thank God we know how to do now, you know, so. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. So who who did, uh, was it, did Casey do before today's record? 
No, no, no. That was a that was kind of a cool it was a cool process for us because uh, we tracked everything in San Diego with a guy that we really liked named Jeff Forrest. Um, it's a good local San Diego guy. He's amazing. Um, Cheshire Cat. Yeah, <laughs> did the first <laughs> Blink record ever. Um, but uh, he's really cool. And um, and then we mixed our record with a guy named Ryan Green. And uh, he's he was huge for us because he did all the Fat, fat Record stuff, stuff mm-hmm. you know, No Effects, Slagwagon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, nice for name. Yeah, every, every like, record that we thought was really awesome. So we went to San Francisco and worked with him. And... Uh, so the record came out, uh, you know, okay. It was kind of a weird process. But yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Celebration of an ending was the name of the record. Yeah. And uh, did you, uh, was there a point there where the other bands in San Diego were starting to get jealous of you? Or are they like, you know, who are these guys? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I never felt that vibe. Like we always like had friends in other bands that we always played with, you know. Uh, I think every band probably has you know, a couple hometown bands that they grew up with and always played their shows with. You know, mm. if you go back and look at Flyers, it's always, you know, this band and this band and this band playing together, you know, right. like back then. So, yeah. Um, it, was, it was cool, too, because um, <clears throat> our in-house agent at the time, um, <clears throat> Dave Shapiro, mm-hmm. he actually moved to San Diego from New York, and that was, like, right when we got signed and we would just hang out with him him like every day and he would start like helping us out like once we do home shows settling for us there so we could actually get paid what <laughs> we're worth yeah cuz we were we were drawing like really good really good crowds on our on our local shows like selling out like five cap rooms yeah. and stuff like that That's which one was thing, cool, yeah. cool for us and eventually we see so you were getting ripped w- off prior to that. Uh, we we weren't getting what. Really. Yeah, we were getting. You just underselling yourselves. We were getting. Like yeah, we were getting ripped off. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of bands should know. Like, like if you're only getting like a hundred bucks and you brought like five hundred people, <laughs> you're getting ripped off. I think the worst was we were trying to branch out of San Diego mm. and playing a couple shows um, towards L.A. and stuff like that, and. A lot of these venues make you do pre-sale, mm. and when we're just a local band from San Diego, how can we sell pre-sale to a show like up up in LA? They like pay to play, you know. You pay them. So <laughs> we would play these shows, and obviously we can't sell all the pre-sale they give us, and they're making us pay for those tickets that we couldn't sell. <laughs> and we're like, wow, how are we gonna pay for this and end up having to ask our parents for money and it was just tough, tough times. So. Yeah, they just figured you'll haul all your friends up for the entire San Diego scene. <laughs> yeah, of course. Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so um, we take two music breaks, and uh, when we come back, I, I want to talk about like that, that reformation era right? mm-hmm. before Pierce Severe started up and things that you guys went through with that, all that. Um, but why don't you, we, we picked two, we, I asked the guests to pick two songs by two separate bands. Um, any be any song, any band, mm-hmm. and um, why don't you guys give me um, two bands that uh, uh, during the the time period for the early times, and you guys were 
um, you know, starting to, to, to play clubs and uh, we're kind of like your theme songs. If you guys had stuff that you put on the CD player back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would definitely say like uh, Mill and Colin Olympic. Mm-hmm. Remember that song? That was uh, pretty huge for early times. Mm-hmm. Almost all our songs sounded like that song. Yeah. Um, I would have to go with. Let's see here. Uh, I think my second or you want just two, like one. Yeah, each? you can. You could do. Uh, <laughs> you know, our our their listeners love the music part, so you can give two of each of you. Yeah. So we can do four. It doesn't matter. Um, jeez, I was gonna throw Good Riddance, Fertile Fields out there. Wow, so far, first time Millen Collin and Good Riddance are being played on this. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. He's, he's he's scoring credibility points I and scene points right now. I was gonna say Good Riddance, but I couldn't think of the song. Um, I would just have to say Blink One Eighty Two, M and M's. First time that's been played. <laughs> Doing good. And then and then Suicide Machines. SOS. <laughs> I think first time for them, too. A great song, by the way. That's cool. awesome.
job either, having to wade through the scum of this city, being swept away by bigger and bigger waves of corruption, apathy, and red tape. Now that doesn't bother me. But you know what does bother me? What? You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? What?
had uh, before today, and the record is out. How well did it do? Um, not very well. We that was the thing we we were we told uh, Dave, uh, our agent, any tour you can get us, we mm. will take any tour. We just want to stay on the road, and I think that was our our biggest problem that we never never realized because <clears throat> we would just get on these tours that were really not the right tours for us. It's where the the fast-paced, high singing, but it's really just fast stuff, and we should be on tour with, should have been on tour with Rise Against at the time or something like that, you know? Yeah, and instead you were... But we were on tour with, like, Code 7 and, like, Vox and, like, (laughs) stuff that, like, didn't mix good at all. Right. And so, plus we're getting paid maybe twenty, twenty-five, fifty dollars a night, and not selling much merch. So yeah, I just think I don't think that like the engine was really there to push us much. You know, we didn't, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have any press. Um, you know, literally no press. So if he found out about us, it was probably random, really random. You know, through a friend or something. But we'd still have like <clears throat> these group of kids that come that would come to the show and they would just know every word and just be moshing and but it's just five kids and it's like <laughs> not the right tour for us and so I think that was one of the biggest mistakes is just not not getting our name out there and not getting the right tours for us so yeah so how did it so let's get back to before today so that that time period there that probably that last year maybe when things started um started on wine a little bit for you and you, you lost um who'd you lose first was it was it joe or mitch joe. um joe joe yeah and the story is is that they just you, you, i think you had quoted one time Vic was saying that it just got you know you guys are very serious about it and and for the one of them or both of them that it was a um it was just a commitment issue, and and it was kind of grueling, and yeah, um, it was a commitment issue. I think overall, um, you know, you start these bands uh, just as friends. You know, we're all just friends in high school, and then there's a level. You know, there's a point where it becomes real. You know, it becomes a a full time thing. You know, it becomes your life, and not everyone is is ready or wants to be a uh, full-time touring musician, you know? So um, when both of them left, you know, it was really, you know, saw it, kind of saw it coming and... Yeah, I was just wondering. And really not, like, a a bad thing for us. You know, we were kind of actually more relieved that, you know, because, you know, they just wanted to get jobs and, and be kind of normal and st- stay in San Diego, and which is fine. So, I mean... Uh, and they weren't, you know, the kind of people that uh, wrote music a lot or, you know, like really were truly into the stuff, you know. Yeah. Like me and Mike were writing everything, you know. So. Uh, was there ever like that point where they were, and it just out of curiosity, like was there ever that that um, vibe that you were getting from um, other members that, because you guys were brothers, it was your band, and it was never really our band. Uh, I don't think so, because it, it's like we were all we were all making the same amount of money, which was zero dollars. <laughs> so it's like nobody is hey. gaining anything. So there's no reason to even. 
think that really. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, they would, you know, sometimes well, people are like, if, well, there's if, two of you guys against. Yeah. Well, they could have changed that easily by just putting more into the band and writing more, and <clears throat> instead of having Vic basically record and write all their parts. So. Do you think that's normal, though? I've t- I've talked to other band members, where and it could be a band that's been around four years or a band mm-hmm. that's been around twenty, and there are always going to be certain members of the band that it's going to be in their blood. It's mm-hmm. their life. The band mm-hmm. is the life. It is it. It is all they think about. It's all they do. That's all they boom. They are the driving force. Yeah. It could be one or two people in the band, and maybe one person's got the marketing savvy and the mm-hmm. other one's got the is the lyric writer you know and so you have that and then you kind of got the other guys that are always like oh well they're more or less on the road you know on, the, on for on for the ride mm-hmm. even though they they love doing it and so forth but do you think that there's kind of always been that have you guys talked to other bands where you're like there's kind of like that built-in animosity because the guys that are always doing everything kind of resent the guys that don't but it's just how it is yeah, oh, yeah. no we've you got leaders and followers We've we've had we've gone we've gone on tour with bands that have broken up because of that, you know. Really? Like, you know, uh they got that one guy that's that is super controlling and uh and takes it too far to where he's like screwing the other guys basically, you know, like uh in so many ways, you know, money, uh um I don't know anything. Anything you can think of, they're uh, thought of as secondary, and uh, mm. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I can, I can personally be very like uh, always trying to drive things and and pushing things because I, you know, like you were saying, like I'm one of those guys that is just always hundred percent. Everything I do is about the band, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get things moving and stuff and um um but you know for me it's all like it's all trying trying to positively push the band you know it's all a vision you know you know like i want this to i have this thought of where i want things to be and it's all about taking steps to get there you know but it's not about like trying to hurt anyone no (laughs) it's all about furthering the band with whether it be live like the live performance, which we've worked really hard for this tour for, mm-hmm. or recording process-wise too. Yeah, yeah. Was there ever an idea that you that you came up with, Vic? That that you're glad somebody talked you out of because it was really a stupid idea, like you were <laughs> oh, smoking yeah. crack that night. And yeah, you came up with <laughs> I don't think there's plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff that I wish people had talked to me out of, <laughs> like like our first like promos and stuff. You know, like <laughs> we when we first started the band, we we were a lot more, uh, uh, I don't know, like, we, we dressed, dressed up a little more, you know, and stuff, and, like, uh, I don't, I don't know, I, I think we just wanted the band to be, after our old band, you know, we wanted this new band to be a lot more serious and taken more seriously, you know, and stuff, and so I think we might have, like, pushed things a little too far (laughs) at some points, but now, like, since we all we do is tour and 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 play shows that we we've learned to uh really just kind of be ourselves yeah. at all times on stage uh in in photo shoots and everything you know it's like uh i think 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, in the beginning, I, I definitely uh, took things. I think well. I, I wore a vest in our first promo <laughs> pick. You look damn <laughs> good. Well, you were doing <laughs> Panic at the Disco deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like vests, but I don't really wear them every day, so... <laughs> Yeah, you don't look like much of a vest guy anymore. No, not not so much anymore. Yeah, I, <coughs> yeah you're a little banker right now. Um, <laughs> so you, so <clears throat> here's the thing: you guys got dropped when the band broke up. The band officially broke up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so did you guys get uh, you guys get dropped by Equal Vision when that happened? Automatically? We were never we were never dropped. Okay, um, because the thing is, is that it got re-signed. <laughs> yeah. Um, what happened? It, Actually, nothing ever really. Um, ah, I see. He's pointing out the vest in the in the uh, promo the, on the liner on the on the uh, <laughs> the inside art of the of their Pierce the Veil record. So <laughs> you can look in there and you can see him wearing a vest doing his Panic at the Disco. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. The band was never dropped. Um, we've been cons- you know straight with Equal Vision. Uh, luckily, you know, I mean, Equal Vision was really really supportive. Uh, of us, you know, me of me and Mike, um, because they knew our situation in our band very well. You know, they knew that I was, I was right. Me and Mike were writing everything, you mm-hmm. know, together, um, and um, yeah. So I mean, they knew what was up with that, and we wanted to keep writing. Um, <clears throat> there was points where. We were talking to Equal Vision about, you know, is this going to be another Before Today record? Or what, or is the smart thing to actually change the name and think of it as a completely new project? Because mm-hmm. there was a point where we were just going to have it be the same band. And I was wondering, like, just well, get new wouldn't members. there be more fears about changing it for the third time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was scary to, like, start all over again. But um, I think we... I think it was a smarter decision to to treat it as a completely new project because because it really is it really was it was uh, far beyond anything that we had ever done you know it was way different mm. uh, the music was different um, and uh, it felt completely different so we um, and you know and a lot of like the old band was just the kind of tainted feeling for us you know uh, right it was just. Uh, it didn't have a good feeling about it, you know? It's just start over. Complete mm-hmm. house. Nope. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, you so, really weren't married to the name anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we wasn't married to the name. And, yeah, and, so uh, then you picked Pierce the Veil, which was the first track, or the third track off the yeah. Before yeah, the Day yeah. record. Yeah. So why that song? Uh, that, that title in particular had always been uh, really uh, important to me. You know, I always thought of it as a really... Uh, I don't know. It was it always had a positive feelings to me, and uh, um, so kind of just went with it. Picking a band name is one of the hardest things in the world <laughs> because we spent actually a couple months just working on that. So you guys, um, you how did you get hooked up with Casey Bates? I mean, he is kind of the um, producer of record for Equal Vision, and. Um, so, how did, but you guys went to Seattle, mm-hmm. and you parked your RV uh, outside or outside his house, outside his house, mm-hmm. and wrote for how long? Worked with him for how long? Um, just about two months, right? Mm-hmm. Two months. And why did you guys end up working? Like, what what did you what what made you want to work with Casey? Uh, Casey, he was suggested by our label. You know, he had mm-hmm. some, some kind of working relationship with them. Like you said, he had done a couple records. This is before he had done a lot of 
the bigger, newer stuff that he's mm. done. But he had done uh, Gatsby's Gatsby's American Dream, mm. which um, we love. Fear Before the or no, mm-hmm. had he done Fear Before yep. the yeah, March Flames yeah. and uh, uh, Portugal the Man, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> he had done a lot of music that we felt was similar uh, to what we were about to do. You know, very uh, progressive. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't do records that sounded like. Uh, you Way know, over the top. The the chorus pop music, you know, mm-hmm. that was he he had done a lot of really really uh, indie and creative sounding things, and he seemed like a guy that was really open minded to to what we wanted to do, and um and he was he's like really open minded like creative guy, you know, wanted was down for any of the weird shit that we wanted to do in the studio, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but at the same time. He keeps a lot of stuff like <clears throat> how it is, like with the drums. He he really doesn't do much much to them. Like he, they sound like drums. They don't sound like over the top, like just triggered. I don't know. It's just yeah, he's real, he's real, just like roomy drums where it's just pretty much what exactly what I'm playing. It's not like like fake drums, you know. So was there was there. Did, when you guys came out of the studio and that record was completed, uh, were there things that you guys could could honestly say to yourselves individually, I have now grown as a musician in the studio be, this way? Yeah. Were there things that you've learned that you now do differently? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy process because it was just me and Mike pretty mm-hmm. much together up there. And you guys played everything. You yeah, guys we did all the instruments. Everything except for um, a lot of the keys were done by uh, a friend of ours from L.A. named Dave Yaden. Mm. Uh, he's probably the most talented musician I've ever met in my life. Just insane piano player. And um, he uh, flew up for a couple of days and played all the keys on the record. But mm. other than that, it was just me and Mike for a couple of months. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think I... Like, I was really stressing out like crazy because there was so much pressure and so much writing on just, like, yeah. my part, you know? Because, like, Mike Mike did the drums and stuff and percussion and then a lot. There was a lot more to do, you know? It's just, like, bass, guitars, vocals. I was still writing pieces of the record at the time, too. And, um, yeah, it, it I think it was a lesson in in... Uh, pressure writing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and recording and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think you learn from every recording process a, a, a lot of stuff, you know. Um, and um, by the the last note, you know, that I sang, uh, it was uh, it was that was probably the coolest feeling ever was knowing that you'd finished something, you know. And we were super proud of it, still are really very proud of it, because it was uh, such a special experience, you know, just mm-hmm. just doing a record with your brother, you know. So, so. now, it was like two years ago that was recorded, roughly. <laughs> so, um, so, well, no, actually, about a year and a half, right? Probably like two years. Was, was like, it really it two took, years? It took a while to... Oh, that's right, it is. Two, it took a while for everything to, like, actually get released and to form a band out of everything and stuff. So, so uh, is there... Are there any things on that record that you kind of look back 
now that you've grown two more years as musicians and talked and <clears> met <throat> so many fans and you've met some of your idols and so forth and hung out with people that you would sit there and go, you know, um, hindsight is everything. And, uh, you know, I would love, you know, looking back on it and knowing what I know now, I would have changed this. We would have changed that. Mm-hmm. The ending of this, the fade out on that. Yeah. There, there's a few things, you know, but, um, is yeah. there anything on that record, one thing that like fans like would be interested to know? Like that um, is the one thing on that record that just gets up your guy's craw. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes we would write things that like I, I, I would write vocal parts and stuff that were I don't know. I mean, we we tour so much you want to be able to play all your songs live and there's songs that we've never played live because yeah. they're impossible and uh, we could never pull them off. You know, like uh, the balcony scene was like a piano driven song and um, uh, it was probably the most standout track on the record that didn't sound like anything that should have belonged on the record, you know? <laughs> like, But we still get people asking us to play it though live. Too. Yeah, <laughs> of course. See that that's like, that's um... I'd say that's the one thing <laughs> that I really don't like that bothers me is that we we were just getting so uh doing whatever we wanted with the record that uh and not even thinking twice about it, you know, just like You're oh, in the candy that, store. Yeah, and um so the record to me doesn't doesn't sound uh unified, you know. It doesn't sound like a band that sounds that has their own. It it might be a good thing or a bad thing, you know. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you hear a band like, uh, I don't know, random example like Under Oath, you know, you hear the song and it's like, oh, this is Under Oath, you know exactly. Right. But some of our songs, they're so like, uh, random sometimes that like I I had wished that the whole record had a sound of its own, you know, like maybe. So, but wouldn't your fans sit there and say that what makes that record recognizable when you hear a Pierce the Veil song now is your vocals. Mm-hmm. It's your style of vocals, Rick. That, that, you know, when I hear your vocals, I go, oh, mm-hmm. I know who it is. Regardless of what you're doing, especially with a Casey record, it's, you're, yeah. you're, you're just, you know, it's like going from the garage to the opera. It's mm-hmm. two different worlds. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't even realize that because I'm... I think when I was doing this record, I thought of myself more as a musician than a singer, you mm-hmm. know, like it, there was so much that to the process that I, I didn't think of myself as one thing, you know, I had to do, uh, so much more. And, uh, a lot, a lot of times we would put way more into the music. Most of that record was a lot of, of music writing. And then, uh, you know, the vocals had a lot of time too, but I think that was, you know, like I said, I, I didn't think of it as one thing. How did you? How do you guys still deal today with the world of commenting that we live in, um, where everybody is a critic and everybody has a thought? I I've uh, stayed away from a lot of reviews and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> our mom prints out literally every, every review. <laughs> really? Does she have a scrapbook like a whole? Oh yeah, like, really? It's pretty yeah. big. <laughs> I I actually get really bummed out. When I hear things, you know, bad things, and it, uh, um, sometimes I can, I, I get, like, my, I can go crazy in my head, in my own head about it, like, you know, I'll hear one thing, and I'll just think, like, it'll really affect me, you know, and I don't want, 
I don't want things that people say to affect what I'm doing, you know? Like, I don't want some guy to say, oh, he's his voice sounds whatever. I think one of, the rev- <laughs> one of our reviews said, like, I sound like a, I don't know, like some, like a teenage girl on like crack or something <laughs> oh, like that i actually like, have that yeah <laughs> yes yeah where and, uh, is it he sounds like a sugar rushing third grader the day after halloween yeah <laughs> see that yeah that, that, that kind of was stuff, the quote it, it just bummed me out so much that it it's like i almost i'm like i start thinking oh my god like do i need to s- start singing like lower or do i need to do something different and really like, so that was really getting it was really affecting you that way yeah i just like i don't know i just don't like when uh, when I hear these things, it puts it in back of my head. Yeah. And then I just don't want it to change what I'm doing. So I kind of stopped reading a lot of that stuff in general. Um, unless it's put right in front of me and I accidentally read it. I, I or I, or you, your host reads it to you. Yeah, or you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually enjoy... Great. Enjoy, I enjoy the bad reviews. <clears throat> it's kind of funny how <clears throat> people can really take the time out of their day just to... Uh, Try to put, try to put your band down, especially uh, at our shows. Also, really, there's also yeah, there's always that, I don't know, one or two guys. It's like the whole crowd can just be going nuts, right? Like just flipping out, and then there's two guys in the back just straight giving middle, you, middle giving you the bird up. the whole show. Just <laughs> who do I mean? Have you guys ever talked about like try to psychoanalyze who are those guys? Uh, like who are they there to see? Well, they're the guys that are there to see. The band that's heavier than you. I usually want the breakdowns or the, you know. We're not a heavy band at all, you know, like, but we tour with a lot of heavy bands. You know, like, we've, you know, one of our main bands that we tour with a lot was, like, Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. Right. And Data Remember. uh, Data Remember, all straight-up breakdown bands. We're out with Bring Me the Horizon right now. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we we do our thing to try and... uh, step up the energy and stuff for our live show and stuff and and um but sometimes it's like not enough for some dudes <laughs> like they want to they want to uh i don't know headwalk headwalk to our music <laughs> or something <laughs> but it's just not going to happen and that's not <laughs> what we're all about yeah. so have you ever gone up to any of these guys <clears throat> after the show like when you're drunk and you're just like you know i'm gonna Dude, tell this guy off. i was so close the other night i didn't know what to do though <laughs> i didn't know what to do like this i was hanging out with uh, fans by our merch table. I was just signing stuff and hang- taking pictures. You know, with it's the all kittens. Like, with yeah, the with kittens. the kittens. All the kittens were there. <laughs> and uh, I, thought I, I thought we stay away from the kittens, Vic. I only. <laughs> no, it's just okay. Anyways, anyway, so, uh, that's later on. That's, I'm just like that's... I'm taking pictures. You know, I've got a, a couple 15 year old girls in a picture, and I'm hanging out. And this dude walks by me and goes, "Hey, why don't you grow some balls?" And then walks away <laughs> with his like other friend. They're like twice my size. Like one dude looked like a Nazi dude, and like <laughs> oh great. I like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do at all. Like I wanted to say something. I wanted to like run after him, but I, I he was he was tough, right? He didn't even look back, right? He didn't look back. He was just straight shot, left straight the shot out the door. Um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? Yeah, the guy that the guy that has balls is running out the door after <laughs> saying you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think there's something a little messed up there. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I'm not a. I've never been in a fight, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I may go back to that, but I, I do want to kind of wrap up where we get us to the to the current real fast because there's a couple. Of, there's some in the second part here. I want to talk about um, 
today, music industry today and stuff like that. But uh, you guys kind of had a um, it wasn't really a rock star moment, but uh, but according to the the story is that you knew Tony Perry, your current um, uh, Guitar. guitarist, mm-hmm. from working at a guitar center. Yep, you guys went to was that in San Diego? Was mm-hmm. he in Seattle? Where was he? San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. And then he had a buddy of his, Jamie mm-hmm. uh, uh, Preciado. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said it right. Cleveland. Uh, hey, first name's Jaime. Now it's Jaime. Jaime. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then I still fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he gets that every day. Well, because it's J A I M E. Yeah. Well, that would be J. Well, no, it wouldn't be. Yeah. It wouldn't be Jamie. But you know the way they spell everything now, it could be. All right. <laughs> so, and then he had a he had Jaime, who was a bass player, and, mm-hmm. and he just brought him along. Pretty right? much. Yep. Yeah. We we um we tried. We were having tryouts basically for the band. Um. Because everything was set up, the record was ready. Uh, you know, I think we had a tour lined up. We had a label. We had a great booking agent. You know, like we said, Dave Shapiro had been with us since our first band. We were the first band, like one of the first. Did bands he sign he... you to Equivision? No, no, no. 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 Right. He was an in-house booking agent at Equivision okay. at the time. All right, all right. he was in-house before okay. he had gone onto the agent. Because I know group. that for a while there at Equivision, like everybody kind of had a mm-hmm. ability yeah. to sign a band and make it their own. <clears throat> he um. You know, we were one of the very first bands he booked when he started booking, and he grew with us, you know, as, and then, so anyways, like, you know, we were ready to release a record, you know, we had all, everything ready, you know, agent, uh, a label, um, everything was ready to go, so we just needed members, and um, yeah, we met Tony um, and tried him out, and we tried out a bunch of dudes, and Tony was, like, the coolest dude, I think. You know, mm-hmm. he was, he's really, he's good at guitar and mm-hmm. he seemed really chill. And we were looking for, for, we wanted to make a band that was like a bunch of like easygoing guys that were fully committed to making music their life, you know, mm-hmm. that were ready to tour forever, you know. And that's what Tony wanted. You know, we were all on the same page. And, uh, um, so yeah, we immediately, uh, and he got you discount at Guitar band. Center, right? Oh, <laughs> Dude, no, actually, no uh, joke. Actually, <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I was actually there picking some stuff up for myself, and Vic had called me and he said, "Hey, man, can you get me some uh, picks?" And I was like, "All right." So I walk over to the other section where his stuff is, and to- <laughs> Tony's stuff. Tony's selling me these picks. Where the crap is, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what the crap is. The over James there. Taylor stuff is. Right? <laughs> no, and um. Yeah, I had kind of known Tony just through friends, um, but I never really hung out with him. And I told him, I asked him, I said, do you, do you know any guitar players out there? And he's like, well, I play guitar. I was like, oh, well, why don't you come over and jam with us? And he came over, and that was that. It was that easy. It was that easy. We didn't run, like, astrology charts to see if you're compatible with each other <laughs> like that, you know. No, no, no. No background checks. No background checks. <laughs> yeah. See if he's an American citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Let's move on. <laughs> um, now, I, I did what actually I meant to ask this before, but Vic, uh, it says that you dropped out of uh, college. Yeah. At one point, you were going for graphic design. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I was going to San Diego State. Uh, I was there for like three years, and uh, I was studying graphic design. And um, so you were you were basically a junior. Mm-hmm. You were a year off. So year off. Man, that's the hard part. Yeah. When you think about 
and you're that close, oh, yeah. and all of that money's been put in. Well, actually, in college in California, it's free, right? Mm, no, I mean, it was a, I, it was I had gotten some financial support, like I got grants and stuff. Oh, like okay, that. but that's besides the point. I mean, you know, it was a, it was you know, San Diego State. You have to pay to go there. So when you when you dropped out, what point in the bands, <clears throat> the bands' careers were were you where was, um, was it? It was it was when we started actually touring. You know, as before today, or as, as before today. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, when we started booking tours, and I basically couldn't. I I never actually dropped out. I like got a leave of absence. Oh. You know. Okay. And it just became permanent. <laughs> so I might still be enrolled somewhere. <laughs> so you could go back. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what they would say to me if I strolled back in and tried to take some classes. Whenever but... I meet a musician that's a graphic artist, I always like to ask them the question: Is like, what? What do you? Th- First of all, how involved are you in the T-shirt design and stuff like that? Being the yeah, I used to design everything. It was everything. Before, but really? like I still design a lot of our stuff. Like, uh, it, that's one of the other things, you know. Like, I'm how I'm always trying to like do stuff for our band. Like, it, it's like anywhere from trying to do our MySpace to T-shirt designs to, you know, album artwork, um, stuff like that. You know, like uh, I still design a little bit. Um, I've tried to make music more the primary thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't like wasting my time on other stuff when I should be writing, you know, but, um, I, uh, I, you know, like on this tour, I have one shirt that I designed and which shirt's that it's a, it's a yellow shirt. It's got, uh, these two like zombie, zom- zombie, zombie lovers. Zombies are big lovers. I don't lovers know. always sell anything with a zombie <laughs> yeah. on it. Especially if it's on like a girly color shirt. Yeah. It's like the. <laughs> it's like the cute girly shirt that's that's doing pretty well. I'm so, pretty so if it. you were a professor and you were teaching a course on band T-shirt design, yeah, and you had a class of fifty students, what would be the rules? Those three rules that you <laughs> sit there and say to you that are about band merch. Um, well, right now it's all bright and big. You know, big. it's got to be the whole T-shirt, the whole hoodie. Oh, so the art has to take up the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you want to you want to print as big as possible. Yeah, I think as um bright as possible if you want to sell anything. The uh the bold lettering too. Yeah, bold everything. Um a lot of like, like bold lettering on the back of the t-shirts are doing really well too. Hmm. Yeah, you 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 see the trends as you look at merch and stuff like that and I always pay attention to what's uh you know, that's kind of the designer part of me still working at some point. Uh is there any part of of current merch designs that you guys hate that wish would go away? Yeah, I I really don't like all the uh, a lot of the hand drawn stuff is is becoming really popular, which is cool, but everyone's biting off each other's styles right now. So it's like uh, that drippy, um, really wild uh, look. Uh, things dripping everywhere, which you know some some of our designs we st- we have that because we know that's what is cool. But like you know like I I don't like that. Uh, a lot of designers are trying to bite off each other, like their styles of drawing, and it's. Uh, yeah. um, There's a <clears throat> one of the bands on the tour <clears throat> on this current tour was saying uh, somebody made a T-shirt that is almost identical to theirs, and they had a little bit of beef with that. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, 
So it made it made it for the tour or during the tour. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, perfect. <laughs> um, well, let's do our second music break, and then we'll a uh, couple more questions. We'll wrap this up. Um, let's play a couple songs here. Uh, first of all, give me a song off of for today that record that you think is <coughs> kind of um, wraps up what that band was about okay. uh, sonically. Um, I I would just put on the song "Pierce the Veil." That that was like I think that was our at least for me it was the most um on the direction on the way that we wanted a band our band to kind of move towards hmm. so that was uh i think that was i agree and then give me a, now give me a song off a of flair for the dramatic that is um you guys are have always been in unison as this is the one that we are the happiest with on that record mm-hmm. um i think I think the first track, Chemical. "Chemical Kids" and "Mechanical Brides," can mm. be a really. Uh, now is can, that isn't that going to be the next video? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, that can sum up the band pretty well. Uh, you know, you can hear the dramatic parts and then the uh, fast. You know. Yeah. I don't know the 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 Queen influences and all the layers and. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in that song. So. And then give me one more song <laughs> off that record. Uh, give me the one that's most misinterpreted. Okay. Uh, most misinterpreted. Or I think as Scott Heiser would say, it's misinterpreted the most. That's how I should yeah. say that. How so, like, like lyrically? Yeah, ly- lyrically. Like, fans think it's about one thing, and it's been, <laughs> like, it's about a turtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say... Um, what would be a good one? I, falling asleep on a stranger, uh, I'd say people don't really ever really know what that song's about. Um, I don't know. <laughs> what do they think it's about, it, it, and what is it really about? Um, it. I, I'm trying to think. Like they they don't know. Sometimes they just think it's like literally, you know. Like I don't know the literal. No. Uh, you know, I don't know, just not knowing someone and falling asleep on them. I guess <laughs> <laughs> they don't really know what it's about, but it's a li- it's about they're not catching the metaphors. The the, the meaning is is uh, is getting into a relationship too fast with someone, and uh, and uh, having it go too far too fast, and being with someone uh, that's practically a stranger. You know, so that's what that one's about. Why do I talk so 
what what part of being a professional musician? Because you guys now, when you fill out your tax forms, now it's professional musician, mm-hmm. uh, artist. Um, what part of it do you hate? And you can't say right now. You can't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... but you can say interview. <clears throat> you can say that. <laughs> um... oh, 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 the part that we hate about being a professional musician. Mm-hmm. Um... I think. I mean, obviously, you guys are very thankful for having this ability to do, you know, doing what yeah. you're doing, considering everybody else on the planet and what they're doing and going through. Yeah. Um, lately, it's been just being away for so long because <clears throat> we really haven't been home for more than two to three weeks for the, like the past two years. So. Wow. And just. Being in a different climate every day, it's just really, I think everyone, everyone's getting sick and it's just so hard to stay healthy on, with this kind of lifestyle, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's fun to hang out with all the bands and party, but it's just like, you gotta stay healthy too, so. Yeah, I I think the only thing I've found that, that, that I really don't, didn't like, that I didn't really see much until we did Warp Tour is um any form of like elitists um hmm. you know people like some cuz you know like when we tour with bands like we like to really get to know them and have mm-hmm. fun with them and be friends with them and uh and on warp tour there's so many bands and you see bands that uh you know it's it becomes this weird competition thing there when there's so many and like you some don't of just them see it, you hear it too. Some of them, you know, they have like these clicks of bands that like they're just like way too cool, you know. You can't, you know, they they have these like walls, you know, like uh, yeah. You'll you'll hear one thing and then <clears throat> just like it's like high school all over again. It's like someone will be talking to you about a ba- a certain band, and we're friends with every band, and so it's like. In the back of my head, I'm like, we're friends with that band. Why are you like really talking to them like that? Yeah, just, just people that aren't um, completely open, yeah. you know. And even though we're all there for the same reason, sometimes they're like, they think they're better than you uh, for whatever reason because they're, you know, on the cover of the magazine and they're not on the inside of it. You know, like, I mean, just, you know, our band will be on the inside. They'll be on the cover mm-hmm. and they think they're the better band, you know. I, mm-hmm. I... One of our songs is actually kind of about that kind of stuff. The song is "I'd Rather Die Than Be Famous." I'd say that would be a, the most in, misunderstood one. Um, it's not because uh, we don't want our band to be big, you know. It's it's because I hate we. I've I've met so many people that uh, who are famous and not are not cool at all, and people who, um, you know, when you meet them. They don't even really talk to you uh, just because you're not famous. Mm-hmm. And people that only want to associate with people that are going to like better themselves and not be open to just normal people. Um, that was what that song was about. And that, that's, I'd say that's the biggest thing for me in music is, is, is that. You find that a lot. Do you think that you guys had to go <clears throat> through an indoctrination period, though? I, kinda, I, I said that about Warp Tour, but did you kind of feel like your time on 2008 Warp Tour was kind of like your... You were now accepted. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we had Chris Conley here, and he was saying that it took, it took him a couple of years mm-hmm. to get finally, like, accepted. 
I think we're still working on it. Yeah, I think. Really? Yeah, I mean. Who doesn't it, still get you, do you think? Who do, who's the click? I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think people are still just, I don't know. Like I said, we, we think of our band as, as uh, always progressing and trying to reach these new levels. And, um, you know, it's a challenge to, to make everyone get it, you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, so um, you know, I, I this band went uh, has gone a long way in a short period of time. So it's like uh, we're still, yeah, still working. We we never we don't plan on stop like stopping. Mm. Like we're just gonna keep working <laughs> even harder and harder. And I know people have actually already seen that, especially on Warp Tour. <clears throat> they see how hard we work and especially being on Warped and just doing it all ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. Not taking a crew out, just trying to do it ourselves and actually accomp- accomplishing that was, was pretty cool, and people saw that, and I think that's the reason we're on this tour. So, hmm. Did you, um, uh, you know, one of the things that usually gets overlooked um, that I always kind of um, marvel at when I'm at Warped Tour or any sort of a festival gig is uh, when a band is set up uh, to go out and do a signing mm-hmm. every day, uh, and you do it for an hour, and uh, there is a method to that madness. And so, do you guys have any sort of a formula that you guys use to when you do a signing? Again, maybe both you guys are professors now, and you're teaching a class <laughs> of how to do an autograph signing session. Because <laughs> you know everybody wants to stop and they want yeah. to talk want a picture and you don't yeah. want to be rude to anybody as you were saying Vic like you want to be yeah that's the thing like we on this tour we've been we've been doing the rock star signings like every other day and kids would much rather have a picture than an autograph usually and Vic usually lines up in first to meet meet the fans and Vic can really never turn down a picture <laughs> and we'll have like this huge line and we because have, he like, can't or, or because he shouldn't well he sh- definitely shouldn't because we have to get the line moving and <laughs> Vic's always trying to okay yeah real I quick, just wish real quick, kids real would quick. learn how to use their own cameras oh. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem it's on video but. the lens cap's on <laughs> no um there's always different rules to the signings <clears> like <throat> pictures after or only one item, or there's always weird things. So we we try to find out what we can do. Yeah. I think any way that we cannot be the bad guy in yeah. those situations <laughs> is good. You know, we just try and get the people organizing it to make sure people know what's up. You know. So you the the story is that you said in in AP actually uh, about the Taste of Chaos uh, tour that you're on is that you actually postponed working on the new record. Yeah. Um, to do this tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we got we got asked. By Kevin to do this tour while we were on Warp Tour, and um, it uh, was definitely something we would never turn down. You know, it's we really wanted to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is when we should be writing and recording. But we we had to do this tour because. It's do you already know who's going to produce the next one? Do you have somebody in mind? Not yet. Not gotten that far yet. And and the record is going to sound. How do you think it's going to evolve from where you guys were with this? The first official Pierce the Veil record. Um, yeah, we're we're pretty set on writing an album that's going to be um, 
very uh, reflective of of our shows and stuff. You know, like we've been since our whole life has basically been touring and playing shows. Why not make a record that's going to be super fun to play? And, uh, and so that's fun, the plan. And fun for the fans. Too. Yeah, it's going to be inspired completely by shows and touring and our fans and um and the love for playing live you know so like we we want to make a record that's going to be uh uh fun to to go out and tour on so okay it's going to be very energetic um probably not a lot of slow stuff not a lot Uh, of keyboards (laughs) (laughs) it's just going to be really really upbeat energetic fun and uh and fun for us and uh but yeah yeah that's the plan it's inspired by by all the touring and all our all our uh people that we meet at shows and stuff a couple more questions and we're done um uh talking about the music industry um you guys have uh i think you guys have sound scanned about 25,000 so far of this record maybe a little bit more than that and uh the quote i was told was um somebody told me they like well, you have to understand, twenty-five thousand sales is actually the new hundred thousand. <laughs> um, and if you got if the, and if you could sound scan T-shirts, you guys would be number one. <laughs> so, um, you, I'm gonna give you your soapbox here for a couple minutes. Um, you've got the entire world of music fans out there, and you want to tell them about how when they go and download music. And for free, mm-hmm. and they don't go through like iTunes or Amazon or buy it from you at the merch booth or go to the local record store mm-hmm. or something. How that personally affects you guys as musicians? Like, yeah. What What do you guys? How do you think it affects you? And what are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I think I think about everyone has kind of accepted it, you know, that this new media or the new medium is of a uh, how you get your music. Um, everyone knows that you don't make money off your CD. You know, you make it off of your touring and off of your merch. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I've always been so uh, all about just getting it in their hands more than anything. You know, even if, like, some kids stole it off our table, I... I I really wouldn't care. I'd just be like, okay, uh, he wants the CD that bad that he's going <laughs> to steal it. <laughs> like, I'm fine with that, you know. Um, or giving kids deals, you know, can I get the CD for $3, $5? I'm like, okay, well, uh, that's fine with me as long as I'm not actually paying for the CD or losing money on it. But, you know, um, yeah, that's what it's all about is just getting the music in people's hands and hoping that they like it and... Uh, I think that's what we're all about, pretty much. So do you? So I mean, there are a lot of young bands who think like you guys that the the the, the bands that have been around a little bit longer, maybe about five years, you mean that have been kind of like had a couple records underneath their belts already. They think very differently. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the new bands, there is that th- feeling coming from the record company, coming from marketing people, coming from the bands themselves, that the music is worthless, basically. Mm-hmm. Not saying quality wise, but the cost of it is worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, so s- give away the music to sell a shirt. That's what I was, yeah, I was about to say that. Is that how you guys think or well, or am I assuming? Every time like 
one of our buddies' bands or our friends' bands come out with an album, we buy it that that day, the day it comes out. The new Data Remember record that just came out, mm-hmm. <clears throat> bought it the first day. Because we, we see how hard we work, our friends work. Um, nobody really, our fans don't really get to see how hard it is to to do what we do, so I respect all bands out there that are doing what we do, so, but, uh, I don't know, they don't really get to see that, so if they want to download it and then at least come out to the show and buy a t-shirt, then I guess that's how it's got to work. So you guys are a little bit more fatalistic about it? Like, there's no way to really change it? I don't know, I mean, I think unless you're on, like, a really, really crazy level, um... You know, like you, I don't know, like a love boy style, you know, <laughs> to where like you're selling enough records to actually see a, a penny off of it. Um, then that's cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've just really accepted that uh, that's just the way it's just the way it is, you know. Um, and I've, you know, like I said, that's not my. That wasn't my goal. That was it's not my goal to sell uh, a million records. I'm not like looking at my sound scans every day, trying to like freak myself out about like if we're selling records. It's more about because I have a like you said. You just said how much we've sold, and I had no idea. Like I really, I don't know where we're at. <laughs> um, I haven't even thought about that stuff in a long time because the more important thing is right in front of us. You know, our tours, our fans, like seeing that we are actually doing something and people are singing and that's what matters, you know. Even though maybe you guys could possibly have more money in your bank account to survive on. Yeah. If people if more fans bought your music. Yeah. I mean, I think we we took the hit pretty early with this record cuz it Yeah, this thing got leaked, it, didn't it? It leaked like probably way early. Like a year early. <laughs> did you ever find out who did it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and were yeah. they punished? Um, uh, yeah. 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 Can, who was it? Uh, <laughs> can't say it? I don't, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll I don't really it. care either. It was this dude, uh, you know, we tracked it down to a guy named Gabe <laughs> from, uh, what was his band? Versus the Mirror. And, uh, he, yeah, he just leaked it and, uh. You ever got a reason? He was, it, he was, um, allowed to listen to it, um, by someone at the label, which oh. his band was on, uh, oh. Equal Vision also. <clears throat> oh. And while he was listening to it, he just imported it. And this was like probably six months before it was supposed to be released. Yeah, it was like six or eight months, like something crazy. <laughs> so it wasn't, do you think it was out of vengeance? Or no. Or, no, no, just uh, you know that, or? It was just, no. uh, I think he just wanted people to... A lot, a lot of times when people leak things, it's not because they want to screw you. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just because they're really stoked on wanting people to hear it. Um, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'll never understand <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand. So if there was anything in the music industry that you wish would change, what do you think it would, what do you, what do you wish it would be? Um, music industry changing things. Um... I don't know, man. Uh, I I wish there was a way that we could, um, uh, cause cause kids, it seems like people are 
less and less buying actual hard copies of CDs. You know, right, right. Um, downloads are becoming very popular, and uh, we kind of yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I wish there was a way we could like straight up be like put the record right on their iPod at the show or something like that. You know, like I think it's actually going that way. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, they're already talking about ways to do that where you just go to the show and you could. You, know, yeah. you won't even have to do the USB thing anymore. You just hook yeah. your iPod and you download yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I was just straight up a really easy way, just like or MP3 player for those that don't like iPods. Mm-hmm. So. Just be like, bam, you got the record. Okay, now it's yours. And uh, I think that'd be really cool. So I don't know. Maybe we'll figure something out. <laughs> late, lately, uh, on this tour, we've been uh, seeing a lot of uh, a lot of vendor sales where. Our merch guy doesn't actually sell at the show. It's someone hired that works for the venue. And I mean, merchandise is what we make our money off. That's what we love off. And to see like these venues really taking like sometimes twenty percent <clears throat> of the sales, it's kind of ridiculous. Is I don't know. So yeah. you're kind of saying try and control who sells your merch. Exactly. And keep it to your own bud. Yeah, yeah. I wish that venues. guy from back home that's like or gal that's that is one thing I don't think any kids know. Uh, that's a really behind-the-scenes thing is that every venue you play takes your money from your merch, you know. And they're already charging these kids. I don't know. So if that if you see, that's why if you see if people see that shirt prices have gone up a little bit, you know, when we were going to shows, shirts were ten dollars, and yeah. now they're like twenty, twenty-five dollars, and. Forty dollar hoodies because venues get like fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're they're taking so much from the bands that uh, sometimes you have to yeah do that stuff. I could much rather just have a kid come out to the trailer and I'll just dig out a size for him, <laughs> sell him a t shirt for ten bucks. <laughs> you guys are bootlegging your own stuff. That's good. Yeah, there you I go. like that. <laughs> Bootleg our own merch. Hey, that's hey, you know, we, it's all about entrepreneurial. We are Mexican, shipping. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, when we were in Mexico, they had bootlegs of our merch oh yeah oh, yeah 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 they do that right out in front That's of those cool. on the sidewalk mm-hmm. there they lay them all out yeah and sometimes they're better than what you were doing you're like what the <laughs> hell dude yeah well, i got a pierce the veil coffee mug and i'm really stoked on it and did do you and when you buy that's what i was wondering like when you go up and you buy your own stuff do you tell them who i mean because sometimes they don't know you know what we, i mean like it's we just we some guy just from took out. it we were told we just to, took it oh we that's were, even better we were told, told to steal it and oh you were told oh, and so then must be a the more i the more <laughs> i realized <laughs> the more i realized how stupid that was and how we could have gotten like stabbed for stealing <laughs> our own merch like because those Watch guys a drug cartel guy right? yeah it, right it's not like the guy on the street knows that I'm the singer of the band. <laughs> he probably just thought it was some dude jacking him. So I'm I'm glad we're alive after that. Yeah. Wait, everybody, either you have no balls or you're or, or they want to kill you over a coffee mug. <laughs> Seriously, man. Your own coffee mug that you got no percentage on. Um, so um, last question. Here we go. Um, tell me the time on the road because you guys did van tours, and you know, and they talk about that trance that you get into, the white stripe trance. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you kind of go into this other euphoric world after a while after you do drive for eight or ten hours, middle of the night. Um, but tell me the time that you guys almost died while touring. Um, let's see, time we almost died. Mine, mine was actually uh, we tour in an RV now, and it was probably about seven a.m., seven in the morning, and I was driving. Um, in the snow, everyone was, everyone was asleep in the back, 
just me, and I start seeing cars on the side of the road, just turned over, just parked on the side. This was on the highway, and I'm just driving along a little nervous about it, and, you know, the semis just fly by you, just shooting by you. They got so much weight, they... They're not going anywhere, and a semi flies by me and kind of drift a little, and then the RV just locked up, and it was black ice, and I was just had no control. It was just locked up, and I'm looking in my mirror, and the trailer's just flying back and forth, and this was on a downgrade too, and <laughs> I seriously saw my life flash, flash before my eyes, <laughs> and eventually it just caught back on, and... Just kept on going. Nobody wake. Nobody woke up. <laughs> I just pulled over on the next exit and just seriously got out and just thanked, thanked God for my <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, but just driving in those conditions, it's just just to get to the next show and just risking your life, pretty much. I don't think anyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Not even in the band because they were all sleeping. I think I mean the one for me. I don't think anyone's life was in risk, but uh, <laughs> uh, we were driving through uh, New York, New Jersey areas, which is the most stressful, craziest place to, to, to drive if you have a big vehicle. And um, Parkway. There's so many rules and things that you don't know about when you have to drive a big vehicle. You know, like heights and stuff, and um, tunnels. I ended up hitting a bridge that we were too high for that it was like somewhere random it didn't have a mark on it didn't know how high it was and it ripped off our top stuff like all the like ac the ac unit like (laughs) just like literally ripped out of the ceiling there's like sparks flying everyone's like freaking out and like uh yeah and it just dropped right into the street and left this huge hole in our ceiling we definitely had a sunroof we had like (laughs) a bit of a sunroof for for a week and it was raining too Yeah, so How that, fast were you going when you hit that? <laughs> like 15. I don't know. <laughs> 15 miles an 20, hour. You were I getting on the... On I the, was getting off like an exit or something. Like, we were like on our way to a party. Like, with like, <laughs> Even better. With like our you know? We were like following a van. Uh, everyone was super excited. It was like a good show. It was like one of the best shows of the tour. And then I just ruined my whole night. Uh, yeah, it was like one of the worst nights of my life. I hated myself. <laughs> But uh, I, I wasn't even there. I rode with another band. <clears throat> I think yeah. I rode with Four Letter Lie, maybe. And I come back to the RV, and there's just a sunroof. <laughs> Vic, what happened? Yeah, I just went to bed. I was Low just bridge. Mad at <laughs> just went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Guys, thank you for coming in today. I really uh, appreciate you taking some time out and. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. They got a new video coming out and a mm-hmm. uh, new record um, end of this year, or you think it's gonna be 2010 right now? Um, it's up in the air. We're, yeah. we're going to work as fast and mm-hmm. hard on it as we can. So as soon as we can get it to you. But for now, uh, side project band called Isles and Glaciers. Yes, we, I didn't we, even ask about that. Thank you for bringing <laughs> that up. Yeah, we'd like people to definitely check that out um, while we're writing and stuff. You know, it's a, it's a. It involves me, Mike. Um, I sing on it. Mike played drums. Craig from Chioto sings on it. Johnny from Amorosa sings on it. Brian from Receiving Inner Science. Matt from Chiotos. Nick from Undermined. Tons of like amazing.
dudes together. And, Produced uh, by Casey Bates. Produced right. by Casey Bates. The gang's all here, man. And uh, we'll be putting that it's out like soon. a frat house record. <laughs> <laughs> AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Ortenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 